Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. Well, what a crazy season this has been, and with just a week to go, there's no sign that it's slowing down. Liverpool are left heartbroken as Crystal Palace dent their title dream. Even at 3-0 in the modern game, it's always a difficult score, but really the comfort we had in the game, you've got to manage the game better than that. An incredible night then for Palace and their chairman, Steve Parrish. Barclays Premier League is without a doubt the best and most competitive football league in the world, and it showed that again last night. So Manchester City now look on course to win the league, but nothing is guaranteed. We've had a lot of tough times during the season, as well, but I think that we've had uh, a lot of wonderful games. I guess the past will tell us that we, we have to be careful. While at the bottom of the table, West Brom are now all but safe, although their season isn't finished yet. It's been a really sort of stressful couple of months, the games we've needed to get results out of, and it's not time to switch off just yet, and it'd be nice to finish the season now on a, on a good note. On a jam-packed show, Stephen Reid joins us to discuss the Baggies securing their top-flight status for another season. Palace chairman Steve Parrish discusses the comeback of the season against Liverpool. Manchester United midfielder Darren Fletcher reveals the impact Ryan Giggs has had since taking the reins at Old Trafford. Plus, we hear from from Felix Magat and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Fulham and Cardiff fail to beat the drop. Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Dave Farah, and joining me to look back at a decisive and dramatic weekend of action is the former Republic of Ireland midfielder, Matt Holland. So, Matt, before we discuss the drama at the top, and there was plenty, wasn't there? A word on the two Barclays Premier League clubs relegated this weekend, Cardiff and Fulham, and uh, I guess the two worst defences in the league. Fulham conceded 83, Cardiff 72. Does that just about say it all? I think it does. It's funny, because at the bottom, we've, we've written different teams off at various stages. Cardiff and Fulham have conceded too many goals this season. Both changed managers throughout the course of the year and that hasn't helped them. You even look at Cardiff and, and David Marshall and goal. He's been absolutely sensational this season. Most saves in the Barclays Premier League um, and yet they've still conceded 72 goals so they've given up far too many chances. And the third club that changed its manager too is perhaps on the brink. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Norwich City but before we move on, um, our hashtag you are football campaign of course which you can get involved with uh, on Twitter. Do you spot any particular shows of spirit or sportsmanship? We're always looking out for them on and off the pitch. Well, we're at that stage of the season aren't we? Final home games, players on the pitch with their families after the matches showing their appreciation to the crowd. We saw Roberto Martinez with his um, newborn on the pitch which was great. The, the Crystal Palace-Liverpool game as well at the end of the game when Suarez was quite clearly distressed at, at not getting the result they wanted. The Palace players picking him up, Spironi and Damon Delaney. And actually the Palace fans thought were absolutely sensational, as they have been all season. Yeah, there was a lovely bit of sort of South American spirit there with the Argentine and the Uruguayan and uh, Spironi helping out Suarez. We will start there, as Matt's already mentioned, at Selhurst Park. It's hard to describe, really, on Monday night. It played host to not just one of the games of the season, but one of the games of the ages, I think, as Crystal Palace came back from three goals down to draw 3-3 with Liverpool and leave the Reds' title dreams in tatters. It was an extraordinary match. I mean, briefly, if people haven't seen, Liverpool 3-0 up and cruising. Uh, Liverpool then apparently going for, for goal difference and trying to score five or six or seven. And then 11 minutes to go, still 3-0 Liverpool, and it finishes 3-3. Uh, it went by in a blur. Uh, what's your feelings, your views, your thoughts? <laughs> Quite amazing, to be honest. It, it, it was one of the games of the season. You think that Liverpool in cruise control, they're going to win the game, put pressure on Manchester City. Uh, it didn't happen. Crystal Palace have been brilliant under Tony Pulis. Quite superb. They've really upset one or two big clubs 
So, yeah, I thought it was an amazing game, one of the best of the, of the year. Uh, Liverpool, again, it's been a little bit of a story of their season where they score more than the opposition. That's how they've played this year. They've been brilliant to watch, some of the attacking football, but defensively, they've conceded too many goals, probably, and that's been their downfall. As an ex-player of, and at a seriously high level as well, what do you think when you, you see defending like that? I mean, you, no matter how good a side is... You shouldn't be 3-0 up and draw 3-3, should you? No, I, I guess there was a point where Brendan Rodgers was maybe thinking about making a defensive change, bringing on an extra defender. He did that at Norwich a couple of weeks ago where he wanted to see the game out, which in the end he was successful with. Uh, it wasn't quite the same at Crystal Palace and he, he didn't make that change when you thought he might. Some of the defending was poor, I think, you know, particularly the last goal, actually. It, it was a great touch by Murray, but Skirtle comes running out, Glenn Johnson doesn't cover round, um, and at that stage you're just thinking game management see it out, get your three points and really put the pressure on City and they didn't do that. And effectively now City need a win and a draw from home games against Aston Villa and West Ham in their last two matches to be champions. So does Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers think the title will now go to Manchester City? Yeah, yeah, I think that we needed to win tonight to keep the pressure on. Even at 3-0 in, in the, the modern game, it's always a difficult score, but really the, the comfort we had in the game and, and the quality we showed to get 3-0 up, you've got to manage the game better than that. I think Manchester City will go on and win the two games and, as I said, they'll be uh, they'll be champions. But for us, it's been an outstanding season up until now. You know, for us to get to 81 points, you know, it's, it's a great achievement for where we're at. We're obviously disappointed now, but we'll go a game. We've got a great game at Anfield now to finish the season and, uh, and keep looking to build and, and develop what we're doing. Is he right, Matt? Is it done? <laughs> yes, I, I think it probably is. Uh, I'm reticent to say that because we've we've seen so many changes throughout the course of the season at the top as well as the as the bottom. So you'd find it difficult now to say that Man City would slip up. I think that this weekend was probably the pivotal weekend that everyone was looking at. Man City travelling to Everton, Liverpool going to Palace, who were in great form under Tony Pulis, and, and you felt that maybe one or both could slip up this weekend. As it turns out, it was Liverpool, which means for me that, that Man City probably will go on and win it. And what a bittersweet night for Luis Suarez as well. Uh, named Football Writers Player of the Year to go along with his PFA award, and then those images of him in tears with his shirt over his head at the end of the match. I think they will last for a long, long time. And one of the reasons for that, this isn't Manchester United when they lost it to City, is it? Because they knew they could come next year and potentially win it, which of course they did. This just feels like it'll be Liverpool's best chance, maybe for another 24 years. Possibly. They're a young side. They're not a massive squad. Brendan Rodgers will look to build on that in the summer, I'm sure. He'll also be hoping to keep Luis Suarez at the football club. A lot of talk about maybe um, someone coming in for him with big money, trying to entice him away from, from Anfield. But I think it's imperative that they keep him if they have got designs on winning it next year. Everyone says it's, it was probably their best chance this season, probably because they didn't have European football. The fact that they're only going to play 43 matches this season gave them a great opportunity to go on and win it. I, th I think if you'd have said at the start of the season that Liverpool would challenge for the title, everyone would have thought you were mad. So for them to have gone this close is is an, a brilliant achievement. And, and Brendan Rodgers, the style of football he's got them playing this season has been brilliant to watch. Those front three, Sterling, Suarez and Sturridge, have just been great. And, and as for Suarez, I think he deserves both those awards. He'd have certainly got my vote. Well, we'll give credit to Palace as well as giving credit to Luis Suarez, who showed incredible spirit, really incredible spirit, to recover from three goals down. Manager Tony Pulis believes the club can only get better. You know, the club is is a smashing club. It's got fantastic support and it's got fantastic potential, but, you know, it's, it's a way behind, um, you know, what it should be. Um, but that was the same situation at Stoke. I had a magnificent chairman there and Peter Coach who backed me and allowed me to build a football club over seven, eight years. And that's what you want. You need, you know, put a back in and, and let people let you do your job. You know, I think, you know, you get paid to do your job and I enjoy doing this job.
So that's the manager, Tony Pulis. We can hear now from the man that brought the Welshman to the club in November. It looks like quite a good decision now, doesn't it? The Crystal Palace chairman, Steve Parrish, joins us now. Hi, Steve. Hi, guys. Now, have you ever, in your life, watching football, witnessed a match like that? No, actually. Probably not. I mean, the only, the only thing that's similar probably is the 4-3 semi-final with Liverpool again. That's probably the only game that's been anything like it, but it was, was an incredible night. Fantastically proud of, of the club and the team and Tony and, and everybody involved. What was the emotion like? I mean, it might be hard to remember, but when you were 3-0 down, I guess you're still sitting there and you're proud of what's been achieved and proud of what the manager's done and delighted to be staying up and all of that, but you can't have in your wildest dreams imagined it would finish 3-3. I mean, you're absolutely right. The emotion at 3-0 for Liverpool was exactly that. It was, oh, well, you know, we've had a good season. And some of their forward play was sensational. But I've seen a report today that says they went for goal difference. I didn't think so. I thought that they went a bit sideways for a while and just gave us a little foothold back in the game. And Damien, obviously, hits a worldie into the top corner, albeit with a deflection. And then you just sense something, you know, such a carnival atmosphere. What probably played against Liverpool as well was because it was our last home game. You know, nobody went at 3-0. You know, nobody left. Normally you would sort of get some people dribbling out and the atmosphere would drop a little bit. But obviously it didn't. So I think the fans played a huge part and the players showed how professional they are and, and, and what the fans mean to them and, and what their professional pride means to them. And I think it was just a fantastic night for the league as well. You know, I think the Barclays Premier League is, without a doubt, the best and most competitive football league in the world. And it showed that again last night. You know, everybody says that you want to play teams enough to play for at this stage of the season. Well, it doesn't often work that way, not in this league. And I think it's fantastic for the integrity of the league that what happened, happened. A lot of people, and rightly so, are giving the credit to Tony Pulis and the players. But how important have the supporters been as well? Because I know every time I've been to Sellers Park, they're particularly vociferous. Honestly, I think it's a movement. You know, I think the club is now about the club. And, and everybody's buying into that. Um, I don't think Crystal Palace is about any one individual anymore. And I think, you know, often over the past years, it, it, it has been. And that's kind of overshadowed what it's got going inside. And I think the fans can feel that. They feel represented. They feel a part of it. And um, they're, they're responding magnificently. And, and as you say, I don't think any away team wants to play in that kind of atmosphere. It really is raucous. We get a lot of plaudits for it. And, and, and the fans, you know, they, they suck the last goal in the net I think you know that it was totally down to them that you know that became an inevitability of the game so we're very very proud of them and we want to make sure that everything we do keeps them at the heart of the club and going back to November Steve uh, the appointment of uh, of Tony Pulis um, was that always certain was he always the man that that you wanted because as I said sort of said at the start there you know it, it looks like one of the great decisions of all time that doesn't it now to appoint him it wasn't inevitable by any means certainly the first meeting we had didn't lead me to believe us I think that, you know, it was the right thing to do or probably for Tony it was the right thing to do and I'm quite slow over making big decisions like that because often I need to look at all the alternatives and then decide what not to do often makes what you should do obvious and I was lucky that Keith was looking after the side very well at the time and, and keeping the pressure off so it certainly wasn't inevitable. I agonised over it, took a lot of time over it. Tony took a lot of time over it which I think was the right thing and I think that more than anything else has helped because then when somebody comes to do it, you know, they've really thought it through. They know what they're going to be up against. I knew, you know, what I was getting involved in and, and, and we worked hard to make it work. So, you know, like anything in life, it wasn't a five-minute thing. It, it, you know, it was very important to get the right man for the job that was capable of looking after the group that we had and, and improving them. And Tony, you know, been absolutely sensational since he's come in, obviously. So it's almost a sliding doors moment then. You know, it, things could have gone very differently, couldn't they? can they always can in life can't they and uh, as it turned out it, you know it worked out for the best but got to maintain the same diligence over every single decision that we make at the football club you know that's why we're 
punching above our weight. And in order to punch above our weight, we need to make a lot more good decisions than, than bad ones. You know, we also agonised over signing Dwight in the summer. It was a lot of money. You know, many times this season, you know, I've been told that it was not money well spent. But I think you saw what Dwight's capable of. In some ways, I'm a little bit disappointed for him that he didn't get the third. You know, he had a good chance for it. And you back him to put them away every day of the week. Go out against the top side and, and, and do that off the bench is sensational. And just finally, with regard to your manager, who I'm sure you would uh, vote for if you had a vote in, in manager of the year, but that's probably a different issue and too long a one for today. But um, what about his future? I mean, he said after the Liverpool match that you'd be taking him out for dinner to, to discuss his future at the club. I know he's got two years to run on his current deal, but he's not going anywhere, is he? I don't know about taking him out for dinner. <laughs> Um, he's got two years left on his deal. Obviously, you know we want to keep Tony at the club for a long time, and uh, lots of things are ready into things that Tony says. But I, I don't personally see anything wrong with him. You know, he, he wants the conditions right at the football club for him to succeed, and and that's very important to me as well. You know, I've got three other investors in the football club who've been sensational in the difficult times in the championship. When you know you're asking people to write checks every few months keep the thing afloat so I've got no doubt that I'll have a very positive discussion with Tony and he'll be very happy with you know what we talk about and, and how we both share the vision of the way forward so that will happen this week and, and then we'll start working on players contracts and players for next season as soon as we finish the Fulham game. Well Steve Ian Wright always tells the story that his arrival at Crystal Palace was down to going to lunch and having an egg roll with his boss so maybe not dinner but maybe another significant moment in Palace's history take Tony Pulis for an egg roll for lunch and that'll get it all sorted <laughs> but listen thanks uh, so much for your time and many many congratulations Absolute pleasure thanks guys Yeah that Ian Wright egg roll story is extraordinary uh, do try and dig that out uh, Crystal Palace just about confirmed in 11th place as well now uh, whatever happens on the final day and that is uh, quite astonishing isn't it We'll focus now on Manchester City, who, as we mentioned, dug out a gutsy 3-2 win at Everton on Saturday to put themselves in pole position for the title race. It proved to be a crucial win, Matt, because it piled the pressure back on Liverpool for their game at Palace, and it clearly worked, didn't it? Yeah, it was a massive win. It was one of those where you are thinking, potentially it's a slip-up, because Everton have been great at home, playing some fantastic football themselves. Roberto Martinez has done a, a superb job in mixing the lone players and, and the start, changing the style of play. So, yeah, it was a, it was a massive win, and and a real test of character for, for Man City. They had a few injury problems, you know, the Aguero going off as well, um, and yet they were still able to find a way to win. At times, it, it wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. Well, let's hear now from the City captain, Vincent Company, who said Everton pushed them all the way on Saturday. It was very hard and uh, very intense as well. I was thinking during the game, I think the Everton players have got a lot of friends at Liverpool, so um, it, it was tough and um, ultimately got a great result. It's just one of those places, I mean, when you take the lead, it's never even, it's never finished. They always find a way to make it difficult and they always find a way to maybe score a goal that puts them back in the game. Uh, today was the same and I thought until the last minute, both teams had to give everything they had to uh, to keep in the game. Yeah, no issue about the players at all. Um, but Goodison Park's one of the best atmospheres in the country when, when it's buzzing, isn't it? And it normally is for the visit of a Manchester United or Man Manchester City, I'm sure you've played there many times. It's a grand old team to play for and all of that stuff. But what a strange atmosphere on Saturday. Yeah, it was very subdued. You're not used to that at Goodison Park because normally they are right behind their side. And I don't know whether it's subconsciously hoping that Liverpool don't win the title. I don't know. But it, it was a very quiet atmosphere, which was didn't help the Everton players, I don't think. It felt a little bit. I know we've known a lot about him for, for a while, but it felt a bit like the birth of a superstar as well because one sweep of his right foot and that's Ross Barkley possibly in the England team at the World Cup isn't it and didn't he look like a, a young Wayne Rooney yeah if he doesn't go to the World Cup I'd be majorly majorly surprised and he could play a big part in it as well will he start probably not 
but I think he'll be. I think he'll be there. I think Roy Hodgson will have him on that plane now. He was. He was awesome. Um, the, the strength, the power, the pace, um, his ability to pick a pass, and then the goal topped it off. He, it was just a great all-round performance from him. It's interesting, isn't he? He probably won't start, but it'd be a lot of fun if he did. And who knows what Roy Hodgson will do? By the way, Vincent Company, Yaya Toure, David Silva, Sergio Aguero have only started eight games together all season. Isn't that incredible? And of those, City won seven and drew one. So it shows you that injuries have really affected them. And, and when those four are in, they're a different side. Uh, talking of four, four points from their next two games should do it for City. But midfielder Sami Nasri is taking nothing for granted just yet. Yeah, it was a, a massive result for us. But in the dressing room, we said that we have to remain calm and uh, there is two more games to play. If we do our job, then we will win our game and we'll be champion. But if you focus on the other teams, that can be a mistake and uh, can be a big disappointment for us. We have this experience from two years ago, so hopefully uh, we are more mature and will not do the same mistake. This hasn't been a season to predict anything, as you've already touched mm-hmm. on, but you know the two games to go, Villa at home on Wednesday night, West Ham at the Etihad on, on Sunday, the six points, four points, in fact, they're champions now. They'll do it, won't they? To hand-pick two matches that you wanted at this stage of the season, you'd, you'd pick two sides who were safe in the division and nothing to play for, and both at home. And that's exactly what Manchester City are faced with now. So, yeah, I think it'd be, um, it would be a major shock if they weren't to get the four points they needed now. Well, a word on Everton, whose Champions League hopes are now officially over. I think they were pretty much gone anyway. But their manager, Roberto Martinez, still feels it's been a successful campaign. Overall, it's been a, a tremendous season. And we want to finish strong against, against Hull. But today, again, the, the game showed the, the, the arrogance and the belief that we have in the side. And the group that we, we have is something to be very excited about the future. But it's been a terrific season. In, in terms of making real uh, strides forward. I think the, the football has been outstanding and you cannot be disappointed even though, as you can imagine, everyone is a little bit down because we all wanted to finish the season with a real fight for the Champions League spot uh, until the last day of the season. But if we can get into Europe, it's going to be a magnificent achievement. And Matt, what a difference a season makes. David Moyes, remember him? He seemed irreplaceable, didn't he, at the start of the season? And look at what Martinez has done. Yeah, he has changed the style of play. He's got the best out of certain individuals. I think Seamus Coleman at right back has been a revelation this year. I think the signing of James McCarthy was incredibly important. I think his energy uh, in midfield has, has really given them something else. Lukaku coming in and the goals that he's provided, and then the emergence of Ross Barkley. But yeah, I, th- I think that Roberto Martinez has done a very good job and, and will be looking to kick on again next season. And meanwhile, at Stamford Bridge on Sunday, Chelsea's title hopes took a severe blow, maybe a final blow. They were held to a disappointing nil-nil draw by Norwich. Um, and uh, to use the old phrase, the wheels have come off, beaten by Atleti and then held by Norwich. And it, it, all of that after beating Liverpool, of course. But it's done, isn't it, now? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I don't think that um, that Chelsea will win the league now. It's far too much for them to do. Big disappointment of getting knocked out of the Champions League. That was something that they were looking at as potentially getting to the final. Uh, I think they knew that perhaps the league was, was out of reach. But then, you know, at the weekend, Norwich parked the bus. They, 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 you know, they got the point that they needed and um, to, to try and keep them in the Barclays Premier League for at least another week. Uh, but yeah, Chelsea was... It was disappointing. It was a flat performance. It was a flat week from them, generally. Yeah, I can't think of another phrase to describe the way Norwich played. 19th century football, something like that. But I've <laughs> never heard that before. We'll hear now what the Chelsea manager, Jose Mourinho, had to say after what's been a tough week for the club. In the end of the day, we know that we have no chances to be to be champions. And we know that we need one point to, to finish in the group phase of, of the Champions League, which obviously is not a, a cup for us, but affects the next season, affects the 
the preseason and it was important for us to finish third. So here's a question for you. Forgetting everything that Mourinho says, let's not buy into that uh, over the recent weeks, but in your opinion, has that been a good season for Chelsea? No, it's not been a good season. Jose Mourinho is incredibly ambitious and he wants to win trophies. Throughout the course of the season, as said, we're a team that's learning, a team that's progressing, a team that's going to get better next season. He's, he said that they couldn't win it this year. He didn't feel they were strong enough. I'm sure he wasn't saying that in the dressing room. I think he would have been saying to the players, you know, we've got a very good squad here and we can win things. But maybe those mime games backfired on him a little bit this season. I think that there'll be surgery to the side in the summer. I think that generally lack of goals has been a problem for them, particularly from strikers. So I would imagine there'll be a new striker arriving at Stamford Bridge next season and there'll be a lot of money spent on one as well. So he will be frustrated the way it's ended and the fact that they're not going to win a trophy. Interesting. They've got a top striker, haven't they? But he's been playing for Everton all season. I wonder if that's what's come back to haunt him. As for Norwich, it was a very respectable draw, but it might not be enough to save them from the drop. Probably isn't, actually. And here's their interim manager, Neil Adams. I thought the performance was outstanding and defensively. We had a game plan. We've virtually executed it to perfection. Um, can't speak highly enough of the players. The performance today from, from first minute to 94th, whatever it was, um, so strong, so solid. We're watching results now. We're watching other games. Um, you know what, what we hope is we go into the Arsenal game on uh, on Sunday with an opportunity because of that type of spirit and commitment that we saw today we'll have every chance They were a bit unlucky actually weren't they they're probably down now because two points behind Sunderland Sunderland just need a point in either of their last games because of the goal difference and uh, they were the penalty that was not given the Ashley Cole John Terry challenge on Olsen I mean on another day that is given you have to say that it was a such a difficult job that he was given, Neil Adams. You know, I think when they sat Chris Hewton, they were looking at it as a one-game season and, and it was against Fulham and they didn't get the result they wanted. They were a little bit unlucky in that game as well. I think it's a, a decent point. It gives them hope. When they play Arsenal, I think when I looked at the fixture list that they had left, that was the game I, I felt that Norwich could get something from. Arsenal confirmed in the top four. They got the cup final to look forward to. Norwich's support, you, you felt that they might get three points against Arsenal. So they just got to hope that Sunderland don't get the point that they need now to try to stay in the division. Norwich are just hanging on by their fingertips. Two teams, though, did succumb to the drop on Saturday. Cardiff and Fulham both lost to confirm their relegation for the top flight. Uh, we'll start with Cardiff, and that was a whimper, wasn't it? They went down 3-0 at Newcastle. It was a one-year return to the top flight. We haven't got time to go through what went wrong and then what went wrong again and then what went wrong. But it was a lacklustre display against a team that's been out of form and it summed them up, really. Yeah, I think he was quite honest afterwards, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, about that he hasn't necessarily had the impact he would have liked to have had there. They actually had a lot of chances in the game, didn't take them and Newcastle scored a couple of late goals. Um, so I think the scoreline probably doesn't necessarily reflect on uh, how the game went. But yeah, they, they just conceded far too many goals. That's been their biggest issue. And let's hear now from uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who felt they had more than enough chances to win the game on Saturday. We created an unbelievable amount of big chances, just didn't take them. And that's uh, the most important thing in football. You've got to take the chances when you get them. I'm the manager of Cardiff City Football Club and I'm, I'm not to lay down and I uh, feel sorry for myself. Of course, we're going to go uh, into next game uh, showing some professional pride, uh, put a good effort in, uh, good performance and then we'll uh, plan for next season. So will he be still there next season? Will he get the chance, do you think? Yeah, I think so. I don't think they'll, they'll make a change now. You know, I think it was always going to be difficult for Cardiff to try and stay in the division. So yeah, I, I think he'll have the opportunity in the summer to try and bring in one or two players and, and have a push to get back in the Barclays Premier League the following year. Well, the win for Newcastle ended a run of six straight defeats and manager Alan Pardew was proud of the performance of his players. We had so tremendous character. It was a strange atmosphere in the stadium. It wasn't great for the players, but they were superb and I take their hat off because that was a difficult environment. 
our captain today I thought was magnificent back to his very very best and uh, he led the flag held high and we followed him through and it was a big big win for us we need to make sure that even from the start of next year that we kick off uh, hitting hitting the ground running fast and um, hopefully we can Kind of feels like something's got to change there. The fans want it too, don't they? 69th minute walkout caused the atmosphere that Alan Pardew was referring to. It's it's not easy up there at the moment. No, I think the fans are, are frustrated. You look back to January and uh, Kibai being sold. I think that was uh, one that really upset the supporters. I think they're disappointed at the lack of investment in trying to improve the squad and try and uh, you know get them further up the table. It probably didn't materialise as much as we expected. You know, not too many walked out on 69 minutes. I think they're great supporters in Newcastle, um, and they were trying to get a message across to the board. Um, but they are fantastic fans, and um, you know, hopefully, because it is such a great club, that Alan Pardew can can get some money to spend in the summer as well and try and spend some of that Kabai money, which will help them next year. And Loic Remy, of course, playing his final home game and then was spotted in the crowd uh, watching at the Emirates. Uh, so that might be an interesting one to watch out for over the summer. Um, Fulham joined Cardiff in the Championship next season after a similarly tepid away performance on Saturday. They lost 4-1 at a, a really informed Stoke side. And again, a performance that summed up their season. I think it's just been a, a horrible season for them. They, they came up against a Stoke side in great form. But when you look back and, and some of the managerial changes that they've had at the club, you know, that the Rennie Mullenstein one didn't work. Then you had Alan Kirbyshire and Ray Wilkins in the background and you're thinking it's made for Alan Kirbyshire to come in. Someone who's got a history of of, um, of mid-table finishes in, in the Barclays Premier League with my old club, Charlton. So I felt that he might be the man. Felix McGatt came in and he, he looked as though he made a slight improvement. I think he made a few mistakes in terms of his selection at Stoke. But yeah, when we talk about Cardiff and the goals they've conceded, Fulham have conceded more. Well, let's hear now from Fulham's disconsolate manager. Felix Maga. I have to apologise, me, for not managing the situation. I came here as the team was on the bottom of the table, yeah, and so you see the things don't go really well from the beginning of the season, and so now we have to sit down and to talk about and to find the right answers for the situation. Well, Fulham go into the final weekend 19th. The best they can do is 18th, hence they're down. Stoke, in contrast, 10th. The best they could do is 9th. They could jump above Newcastle on the final day. Excellent home form, which has seen them lose just three times all season at the Britannia. And here's their satisfied manager, Mark Hughes. I'm really pleased with our, our mentality today because um, people possibly were suggesting, well, we, we didn't have too much to play for and it was all about Fulham. And that wasn't the case today. We, With the three points, we weren't able to reach uh, a position in the, in the league, which is 10th, and 47 points, which has only been done once before in the Barclays Premier League. And we struggled one game to hopefully beat that total. So uh, I've been really pleased with how we've been able to keep our focus. There weren't many believers, were there? And Mark Hughes went to Stoke and quietly, actually, very quietly, he's done a really good job there. Yeah, he has. We, we've already talked about Roberto Martinez and the job that he's done at Everton, the way he's changed the style of play at the football club. Well, Mark Hughes has done exactly that as well. And it took them time. It took them time to adapt. They're so used to getting the ball and hitting Peter Crouch and playing off, off Peter Crouch and second balls and playing in the opposition half. And it took them a little while to adapt to Mark Hughes' style. But slowly and surely... They've really got there, and there's been some you know, big performances from from players there. I think Begovic in goals been in great form. Arnautovic, Mark Wilson at centre half really impressed me this year. He's been playing at left back most of the time, and this season he's really made that centre half position his own. He's been very good. Well, coming up, we hear about life under Ryan Giggs at Old Trafford from a man who's played at the club for almost twenty years. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Dave Farrer. 
Well, I'm here with former Charlton Ipswich midfielder Matt Holland and we're going to break away from the action for a few moments as we reflect on the impact Ryan Giggs has had on Manchester United with their Scottish midfielder Darren Fletcher. Fletcher, who began his career at Old Trafford with the youth side in 1995, has been talking to Barclays reporter Lee Warner about how the atmosphere has changed since Giggs took over as manager. It's been fantastic. I think the biggest thing is Ryan Giggs has always commanded respect. Even in the dressing room where he's a teammate and has been a teammate, He's always been a leader and, and commanded the utmost respect from everyone, from the foreign players that signed to the ones who have come through the youth team. You know, Giggsy is the man in the dressing room. You know, there's no doubts about that. And so the transition for him to become a manager has been quite easily for me because um, you have the utmost respect for your manager, and we instantly had that respect for Giggsy. So he's been fantastic. Um, everyone knows that he'd be a fantastic manager one day. Everyone knows that he's going to be a fantastic manager for Manchester United one day. And for him to get this opportunity now, I think that um, it's been great and the players want to play for him. That's the biggest thing. There's no doubts about that, that the players want to play for him because he's a fantastic, he's an inspiration to all of us for what he's achieved in the game, his knowledge of the game. He knows Manchester United and, uh, and everything's been fantastic in the few weeks he's been in charge. Is it strange in a way? Uh, as much as you look up to him and respect him, you have been his teammate for many years. Do you feel almost now you can't maybe have a joke as much of a joke as you might have done and things like that? You know, is he is he all of a sudden taking a bit more of a serious persona? He's not. You know, the hardest thing has been what to call him. You know, Giggsy or Gaffer. You know that one. You know, sometimes you're just so used to calling him Giggsy. That's been difficult. But and as you say, you don't want to joke around too much. He might not play at the weekend. You know, so that's got to come into consideration. But. As I said before, we've had we had so much respect and, and admiration for him that nothing's really changed in that respect. You know, he was he was a player coach. He was almost like a player manager at times. Anyway, you know, he was a leader in the dressing room. He's the one we all looked up to. So, in that respect, not much has changed. It's just the fact that he's picking the team now, and he's the one you've got to impress and train him. Well, it's great to have Darren Fletcher back, isn't it? He was handed a start too at the weekend, but it didn't turn out well for the Scot with his Manchester United side going down to a 1-0 home defeat to Sunderland. Uh, the Black Cats' first victory at Old Trafford since 1968. Uh, Seb Larson with the winner. Another excellent performance from Sunderland. Uh, you're almost speechless about what they've done. <laughs> it's been an amazing, amazing end to the season. Came very close to beating Man City, went to Chelsea and won, been to Old Trafford and won. I think Gus Poet talked about needing a miracle. Well, his, his team have sort of come up with one this last three or four matches. It's been an incredible turnaround. Connor Wickham, someone that has been shipped in and out on loan, hardly had a, a, an opportunity at, at the football club, has suddenly come to life. And um, defensively, actually, Wes Brown and John O'Shea have played a big part in that as well. Good to have someone with Ipswich connections uh, affecting life in the, exactly. in the Barclays Premier League as well. I'm sure you're thrilled. Uh, it's been an incredible few weeks for the Black Cats, though. Wins against Manchester United, Chelsea, relegation rivals Cardiff and a point at Manchester City, which actually should have been a win as well. It wasn't looking so good, though, was it, at the start of April after a five one defeat at Spurs. Let's remind ourselves of what manager Gus Poyet had to say after that result. When you look at the table and you look at the games that we got left and how many we need to win, I think we need a miracle. We need something uh, unique, a shock, because if no, I cannot see it coming. Let's see if you can spot the difference now. Here's the Sunderland boss's reaction after this weekend's historic win at Old Trafford. Difficult, just playing incredible, uh, unique, uh, special uh, determination of the players willing to do things right. And uh, I said a long time ago when we were losing, we're going to fight to the end. We're going to fight everywhere. It doesn't matter who we play against. Look, I, I don't know how many things changed this season, how many records, how many things we've done. Uh, the incredible part that we've been down in there all season. So, like I said, a few... A few days ago, you know, if we win a, another game, another three points and we stay up, it's going to be an absolutely incredible season, one to remember, because we've done so many things right, 
but because of what happened in the beginning, it was difficult to get in between the teams. But at the right times, uh, you know, we, we come back and we do some special things. And it's not just as if they're going to stay up. It looks like they're going to do it pretty comfortably, which seems even more incredible. Uh, they still need a point, though, from their last two games, West Brom at home and Swansea at home, and they must make sure they don't mess it up now. In some ways, these are more difficult games because the pressure was off against Chelsea, the pressure was off against Man City, and, and likewise Man United. But now the pressure's back, you know, on them a little bit to get the, the point they need. Having said that, they had that type of game against Cardiff and won 4-0 pretty comfortably. So you would imagine the former in the confidence they're playing with that they'll get that point. Well, as for United, the honeymoon, period, which was pretty short, wasn't it? It's well and truly over for the interim manager, Ryan Giggs. It's been the same old story for them at Old Trafford this season. I said last week, after the game, we want to make it a fortress and we want to, you know, like it always has been, a difficult place to, to come, but this season that's been the problem. Home games, uh, home form just hasn't been good enough. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be players coming in and, you know, quality players, so we need to improve and be better next season. Well, they've lost seven home league games this season. The worst since 73-74 uh, when they were relegated, actually. Will Giggs still be there next season? He won't, will he? Uh, uh, Van Gaal is, is the name that's on everyone's lips. That, I mean, there's even rumours it'll be done this week. Well, it, it appears he won't be first-team manager next year. Whether he'll be part of a setup that maybe Louis van Gaal is, is uh, in charge of, then we'll wait and see. It might be that Ryan Giggs wants to be a manager now. Now he's had a taste for it and he wants to be um, number one somewhere else. It might be that he goes and tests himself. So time will tell, but it'd be a loss to United to lose him um, because he, he understands the club. He's been there many years. The players look up to him. So I think it'd be a shame if he wasn't there um, under the, under a new regime. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to write the story of next season, Louis van Gaal comes in, Five new players, you know, big stars, 60 minutes. It wouldn't be unbelievable that they would come and maybe win the league, would it? Well, it's, uh, that's what makes it so fascinating it, looking ahead. It's been a big turnaround for both Manchester United and Liverpool. If you look at last season, Liverpool finishing seventh, certainly challenging for the title, and Man United win the title and going to finish seventh this season. There's been a turnaround that way. If United haven't got European football, they spend a lot of money, they could potentially go close again next year. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. To Villa Park next, where Aston Villa finally secured their top flight status for next season with a solid 3 1 victory over Hull City, a big win and an important time of the season for Paul Lambert's men. I thought we were excellent. You talk about pressure on big games, that was, I mean, I've been involved in, lucky enough to be involved in some really big games and uh, that was right up there. The pressure with that was incredible, but I thought we were excellent. I really did. Sometimes you get harshly criticised here and um, they're only young lads that are still learning their trade as such, but I thought they were brilliant today. Only their sixth home win of the season, but it secures their Barclays Premier League status. I mean, a similar question about him, really, about Lambert. Will he still be there? Will he be given money to spend as well? Well, they, uh, his future will be in doubt. He's lost you know, a couple of his backroom staff as well. So uh, I think there'll be questions raised as to whether he'll still be there next season. I think they need to bring in more experience to the club. Uh, I think Aston Villa fans will be wondering why they haven't played like this all season. And they got off to such a flying start against Hull. So, yeah, I, I, I think there are question marks about whether he'll still be there. But certainly if he is... He needs to bring more experienced players in to try and help the young ones. And as for Hull, I mean, what a familiar story this is. <laughs> it happens all the time. They haven't won since reaching the FA Cup final. Manager Steve Bruce knows things need to improve ahead of the Wembley appearance. We've defended so well all season and got ourselves in the position what we've got to. You know, we've took a bit of a pride in that and all of a sudden today we're, we're all over the place and uh, we haven't started. We've gifted them a goal after a minute. We thought it was a foul. We thought it was a push by Agbon Lahore, but, you know, we're, we're clutching at straws, really, because, you know, we're defending in this first half in particular was, was awful. We'll have to do better than that in the next couple of weeks, that's for sure. The sense that players have switched off in anticipation of the cup final? Does that happen? 
Well, I guess so. Um, I wouldn't know, to be honest. It'd be disappointing at the way the season's finished. And, and you know, I think the players probably have got an eye on that FA Cup final, if, if I'm honest. I think that it's a huge occasion for them to be playing in that showpiece. So the fact that they had the points on the board, uh, other teams at the bottom had difficult fixtures and they, and they haven't quite got the results they needed, have, has meant they're going to stay up it. And they will be looking at trying to get silverware now, trying to beat Arsenal in that cup final. That'd be it. It's been a great year. I think for, for Hull, I think Steve Bruce has done brilliantly. At the start of the season, you know, a lot of people were writing them off. He spent wisely in, in bringing Long and Jelovic to the club. I think they've both helped in, in terms of trying to keep them in the division. Um, but yeah, they, they probably have taken their eye off the league a little bit with that eye on the cup final. And just to confirm, by the way, Norwich's draw at Chelsea meant that Hull are now uh, officially safe as well. Now to their opponents in this month's FA Cup final, Arsenal, who made it four wins on the spin by seeing off West Brom 1-0 at the Emirates on Sunday. They're approaching the FA Cup final in uh, Real form. Fourth spot confirmed for Arsene Wenger's men at the weekend, an achievement that he's proud of. At some stage, we were not sure to be in the top four, but uh, as well, we were 128 days top of the league, so we are as well a bit frustrated. So it's very tight. You look at uh, the top team has 80 points, and uh, we are at 76. And when you have that kind of uh, difference, you're always a bit frustrated because you think here and there you could have done better. Ask you the same question about him as I did about Mourinho. Is that we don't know about the FA Cup yet, but in terms of the league, is that a successful season for Arsenal? Do you think uh, it's become the norm for Arsenal? I think that they've um, they finished seventeen consecutive years in the top four, so that's I think the minimum requirement that Arsenal ask under Arsene Wenger. I think they need to win trophies, so I think that the FA Cup is, is hugely important to them to get that silverware. And because there's a lot a lot of people saying that they haven't won a trophy for so long, is Arsene Wenger going to still be there next season? I think he needs to win silverware. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? The point he was making as well. If, if by any improbability, Liverpool lost to Newcastle at the weekend and Arsenal won against Norwich, they finished two points behind Liverpool. And yet the perception is that Arsenal have had a terrible season and Liverpool well, have been this wonderful revelation. It's interesting, isn't it? When you look at the look at the, the bare figures of it. Yeah, I think I think we're only judging that on what happened last year. I think the fact that Liverpool finished seventh and and so we're judging it on slightly different spectrums there. I think that Aaron Ramsey coming back has, has come back. He's come back at a great time for them as well because. They missed him. They missed his runs from midfield. Yeah, it was, it was out at the weekend again, wasn't he? And, and they missed him again as well. But they got past West Brom. Although that defeat did not mean any trouble for West Brom. Their Barclays Premier League status for next season has just about been secured. Uh, remarkable goal difference turnaround uh, notwithstanding. To discuss the mood in the Baggies camp, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line now by one man who's more than played his part for the club this season, defender Stephen Reid. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. No problem. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad at all. And probably you're feeling quite good, I would have thought, because unless there's a, uh, let's face it, a ridiculous swinging goal difference you're safe so how much of a relief has that been it is it's, it's, it was a little bit of a, an anti-climax after the Chelsea game to be honest because although it would take a miracle now to to go down it's still mathematically possible so it's we're virtually there but it'd be nice to actually finish in a position where it's not done on goal difference so we, we're hopefully going to go into the, the Sunderland game and the and the Stoke game and get something out of those and if you win your last two then you can finish or three, four places higher. So it'd be nice to finish the season now on a, on a good note. And how strange is it with the goal difference thing? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're all saying you're safe because it's a 19-goal difference. Uh, that's very, very unlikely. It's never happened before. But is there just always something in the back of your mind as a player with something like that? Oh, definitely. After that Chelsea game, it, it was a weird feeling. You're obviously, pleased with the result. It means that we're virtually there, but it's still possible. So you can't you can't relax. It, it, it's been a it's been a really sort of stressful couple of months. The games we've needed to get results out of, and it's not time to to switch off just yet. And if we go into these two games and we don't get a good result, then the, the season's going to finish on a on a bit of a low. It's it's a strange feeling for us anyway because 
although we're, we're looking like we're going to be okay, it's still a disappointing season. We're not going to be celebrating about it. It's been a bad season for us in a position that we, we should never have been in. Yeah, it's been a funny old season in terms of managers as well, hasn't it? You know, the change of manager, Pepe Mel coming in. What's he been like to work with? It's been different. He, he came in at a, a stage, obviously, I had a, had a really good relationship with Steve Clark before and, and we had some, some really good times and finished last season, our, our highest ever Premier League finish. So he, he came in and changed things around pretty much straight away. We had a mix of results, really. We've done okay in a couple of games against Chelsea, maybe, and, and Everton at home. We got a couple of good draws, but then we threw away a couple of really big leads, the Cardiff game and the, the Tottenham game as well. And that was going 2 new up at Villa. So it's been a mixture of results, to be honest. We've done enough just to be OK. And it's obviously going to be an interesting summer for everyone. Obviously, the manager's got his future to sort out. And there's about 12 or 13 of the, the players that we, we're obviously not sure what's going to be happening in the summer as well. So it's going to be a, a massive summer for the club. Yeah, I was going to say that, Stephen. It is going to be strange, isn't it? Um, you know, 12 players, I think, either on loan or out of contract and all that sort of vagueness, if you like, to, to, to cover that as a blanket and the manager as well. So how strange yeah. does that feel going into a summer like that? Where, let's be frank, you could have a, almost a different starting eleven and possibly That's a different right. manager. Well, it's normal for me. I've been out of contract every summer <laughs> yeah. for the last four years. So I'm actually um, I'm pretty, pretty used to it and actually pretty relaxed about this summer. The, the hard work's been done in the, in the last couple of months to hopefully get us out of it and and we're really pleased with that but I think everyone at the club's got to take a long long look at themselves this summer that's obviously the players we're, we're the ones that go out on the pitch and, and have underperformed the, the staff and, and the board and recruitment we need to sort of find out answers why we're in this position and, and what's happened this season and, and hopefully we don't find ourselves in this position again and what about the future for yourself Stephen carry on playing I mean you're 33 years of age is it is it coaching next are you going to become a perceptive media analyst like Matt who's sitting alongside <laughs> me or, or, or a coaching career what do you think I'm not going to try and pinch his job just yet <laughs> we'll, we'll um, I've finished the B licence I'll start the A this summer coming up and you know ideally it'd be nice to stay on at West Brom and I've done bits of coaching here and there so it'd be nice to stay on maybe for one more year and then start that journey into coaching as well and if not it, it might be a case of, of a fresh start somewhere else whether that's in a coaching role or, or playing role or, or maybe a little bit of both just a couple of uh, Twitter questions for you before we let you go. Um, Tim, who is uh, clearly from his Twitter, hashtag a Liverpool fan, uh, so maybe this is a loaded question, uh, asks, who's the most difficult opponent you face this season, Stephen? Who's most difficult to defend against? I'd probably go for, I'd probably go for Suarez. Um, I voted for him as the, the PFA Player of the Year, and I think he's won it hands down. Um, he obviously missed the first few games of the season, and to go on and, and score 30 goals in the Premier League has it's just been incredible. It looks like they're just going to miss out on the on the Premier League this season, I would have thought, but he's been incredible. He's, he runs in behind, he can come short, he can head the ball. He's just a real nuisance, and, and, and he's a winner. You, we all saw that, how he reacted last night. Those are the sort of players that you want in your side. And uh, Ryan, who's a West Brom fan as well, Stephen, just finally uh, asks, uh, when was your best moment as a professional footballer? Best moment was probably, and, and Matty was there as well, was probably going to the World Cup in, in 2002. It was great to come on in the, the Cameroon game. At the, I think Matty will remember that one, wouldn't he? Yeah, <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say playing with me. <laughs> there was that. There was that as well, Matty. Um, but yeah, going to, going to the World Cup, that's, that's still the, the highlight of my career. 
So yeah, that'd be that'd be hard to top that one, that's for sure. Well, brilliant, Stephen. We wish you luck for the rest of the season and whatever you do uh, next as well. And uh, I'll leave you to all our yesterdays, so you can talk on the phone <laughs> later, you and Matt. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. Take easy. Bye bye. I thought get rid of Stephen there. I thought him and Matt were going to start singing memories or something. But uh, <laughs> West Brom are fine. Three points uh, off Norwich, as we mentioned there. Uh, but the goal difference—it's nineteen at the moment. I think they're going to be okay. I know we can't say that Norwich still aren't officially down, but I, if, if Norwich stay up, it's not going to be at West Brom's expense. I don't think. Uh, another team to ensure their Barclays Premier. League status at the weekend were West Ham, who ended a run of four straight defeats to beat 10-man Spurs 2-0 at Upton Park. A much-needed win for the Hammers and for their manager, Sam Allardyce. A great performance to finish the season here in the Barclays Premier League, our last home game, and send the fans home happy. The fans were right behind the team from start to finish because they knew the team was playing well and they deserved a victory in the end. And But for Lorries, I think it would have been far more than 2-0, but 2-0 is more than satisfying for us against the team who who are fighting to be in the Champions League, fighting to get in that area, and of course uh, to manage to beat them here again and do the double over them is a great, great thing for us. If you were to believe rumour, and you shouldn't, uh, the feeling, I think, generally is that he might not be there next season. There might be a sort of mutual parting of the ways. What do you make of that? Well, we'll see. I think, how often do we say, be careful what you wish for? Because under Sam Allardyce, not guaranteed, nothing's guaranteed in life, but certainly you've got a good chance of staying in the Barclays Premier League. Um, And that's incredibly important, particularly when you're moving into a new stadium. So I think, be careful what you wish for at times. Obviously, style of play is an issue with with West Ham supporters uh, and and how you approach matches. Maybe at times it hasn't been as, as attractive to watch as, as they would like but it was a much better performance against Spurs there was a real spring in their step there's a real on the front foot and at them from the off so I thought it was a good performance by them and in terms of Spurs Europa League football looks likely is that a good achievement by Tim Sherwood to sort of pick up from the wreckage if you like yeah I think it's okay actually yeah I think um, again difficult start to the season spent a lot of money and I think that expectation levels were, were quite high for Spurs this season it hasn't materialised of the signings there's only really Christian Eriksen that stands out I think Tim Sherwood's done a good job you talk about Sam Allardyce, whether he'll still be at the club. Will Tim Sherwood still be at the club? I think that looks more doubtful. And last but certainly not least, we'll go to the Liberty Stadium, where in injury time, Ricky Lambert goal gave Southampton all three points at Swansea. But was it actually his goal? Definitely, definitely. It did touch me. Didn't know much about it. Like, it wasn't the best goal I scored. But, no, nah, most important thing, not really care. I was out goes in. We've won 1-0, and that's a great away win against a very good Swansea team. To get a win to, to break the record is brilliant. We, we were made up last, last week when we killed it. We're very proud now that we beat it. 55 points, the highest points total the Saints have managed in the Barclays Premier League. Uh, superb achievement from Pochettino, eighth place guaranteed, and he's a manager going places. Yeah, going to Spurs, if if, <laughs> uh, if rumours are believed. I think they've been great this season, Southampton. I think that the, the fact that they've got so many young players, so many young English players, they're good to watch, they've got pace about them. Uh, I think that they've done superbly well this year. A lot of good young players, he'll be hoping to keep hold of them, but if he does move, he'll be hoping to sign one or two, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a word of what about the game itself it was one of those classic uh, end of season games it looked a certain nil-nil until the sort of slightly strange goal at the end what do they like to play in? You'll have played in a few of those. Are they a strange thing to play in? Strange atmosphere? Yeah, I guess they are, really. I, I think that, that players, it's a long old season. And I think players, you know, you do need a break mentally and physically at the end of a season. And when you're both safe in the middle of the table, um, it can be a bit of a party atmosphere. And, and 
I suppose you're just looking forward to getting getting to the summer really and, and having a break, having a break, having a holiday, recharge the batteries and, and ready for the next season. And Swansea uh, going to the final day in 13th. Best they can do is to go above West Ham into 12th. Uh, time now to take a look at this weekend's final round of Barclays Premier League fixtures. But before then, a quick mention again of the two potentially pivotal fixtures at the top and bottom of the table on Wednesday evening. Sunderland West Brom and Manchester City Villa are those two. I know that many of you may well know the results of those two games by the time you listen to this show, but uh, we've got to mention them. Uh, looking at Sunday's final set of matches, Matt, which ones stand out for you? I'll read through them and you can have a think, but uh, we've got all three o'clock kickoff time Sunday. Uh, Cardiff, Chelsea, Fulham, Palace, Hull, Everton, Liverpool, Newcastle, Sunderland, Swansea, Man City, West Ham, Spurs, Villa, Norwich, Arsenal, West Brom, Stoke, Southampton, Manchester United. Which two would you be watching? Potentially it's the title race, Man City and Liverpool. I think that um, a couple of years ago we saw Man City taken all the way by Queen's Park Rangers when United were winning at Sunderland. Could we have something similar this year? I think it'll be done and dusted and I think that Man City will win it. But I think the the Man uh, City-West Ham game and Liverpool-Newcastle are the ones really that we'll be looking at. One of the fun things about the final day is, if you look back historically, there's always one game that gets a bit silly and uh, I always enjoy trying to work out which one is. There'll be a four-all well, in there somewhere. We just don't know where it's going to be. It, it was five-all last year, wasn't it? So Alex Ferguson's last game. So, yeah. Which one will it be? Well, maybe Ryan Giggs. Who knows? Mm, at could Southampton. Be, could be. I've got my eye on sort of whole second team against Everton. Could be interesting. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll see. That's just about all we have. To, that's guaranteed nil-nil now, by the way. That's all we've got time for on this penultimate show of the season. My thanks to Matt for his company. Always great to see him. And before we go, don't forget to have a try at this week's trivia teaser. Crystal Palace's Tony Pulis pulled off an amazing comeback against Liverpool on Monday night, but can you name the three other Welsh coaches to have managed clubs in the Barclays Premier League since the 92-93 season? Caretaker and interim managers don't count, so don't even start with Ryan Giggs. If you think you know the answers, tweet them to at Barclays Footy or post them on the Barclays Football Facebook page. We'll reveal them on the site later in the week and we'll be back next week to review the final weekend of the season. It looks like the title race could just still go down to the wire. We'll see. Will it be Manchester City or will it be Liverpool? We'll bring you all the reaction on next week's show. Plus, we'll be looking back on what's been an enthralling season as a whole. But until then, from Matt Holland and from me, Dave Farrer, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Barclays.